Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Two of my early managers and, and sales leaders are people that I really look up to because they were so impactful on coaching and helping and not just telling us what to do. You know, if we brought a problem to the table, they wouldn't say, say this or do this. They would say, well, what do you think? What do you want to do? What feels right to you? And that has been such an impact on my sales leadership career is that's what I try to do. You know, I'm never going to tell someone on my team what to do. I will give them recommendations and I will ask them what they think. And then together, the two of us will iterate on a solution as opposed to me just saying, do this. Hello and welcome to Inside Out. My name is Billy Samoa Salibi and I'm your host. This show is all about insights and explores how transformational moments of awakening have helped propel the lives and careers of exceptionally successful people. These major breakthroughs teach valuable lessons that will help us in business and in life. On this episode, we get to know Josh Roth, a sales leader who shares his journey from the front lines to leading high-performing teams. His motto is, a river cuts through rock, not with its power, but with its persistence. And I think that says a lot about Josh. Having personally made over 100,000 sales calls in his career, Josh isn't afraid of hard work. In fact, he embraces it. After being in the President's Club and number one for quota attainment year after year, Josh moved into leadership and took two VP of sales roles, where he built and managed teams that didn't just meet quota, but they exceeded quota year after year. On the show, we learn why Josh believes in a people-first approach and why he fundamentally believes everyone should be managed differently. Josh has many endearing qualities, and they shine through on this show. Despite having career success, he remains humble and grounded. He believes deeply in the power of empathy. In fact, he says empathy is his why. But perhaps the most endearing of his qualities is his unwavering commitment to uphold his own set of core values and his willingness to stand up for them. He is high integrity and believes in doing the right thing. Josh gives us a tour of his career and shares lessons learned from mentors and experiences along the way. If you're looking for inspiration and ideas on how to evolve your own career, then sit back and enjoy this episode of Inside Out. Josh Roth, thank you for being on Inside Out. Absolutely. I'm, I'm super excited to be here and, and uh, dig into this with you. Oh, me too, man. And, you know, I'm so glad we connected on LinkedIn because, you know, you meet so many people on the platform and from being blunt, some people you meet and you're like kind of forgettable, not going to really invest in that relationship. But when I first heard of you and, and about you, it was through your work and it was through some of the insights that you had and those insights 
they connected and they resonated with me. So I reached out to you and we started a dialogue and just kind of looked at your profile, looked at what you've done. And I always like interviewing people that have a point of view and people that have something interesting to say from their life experience, from the perspective of what they've been through and the, and the journey that they've had in their career. And we'll get into all of that. So why don't we start there? For those that don't know you, haven't met you or don't know the Josh Roth story, we'd love to start with your story and go back as far as you think would be good for us to all know. I mean, even childhood's fine. Just give us your, your, your run through. And I know, you're a, I know you went to Oregon, so I'll forgive you there because I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm a diehard Bruin fan, but, but tell me your whole story, man. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, when I was growing up as a kid, I always wanted to work in sports. You know, being one of the shorter kids, I figured that I was never going to be a professional athlete. And so I wanted to go for that next best thing, which was which was working in sports. And out of college, I, I got a job at the New York Mets and was there for three years. And at the end of my third year, we had the the rare opportunity to go to the World Series. We didn't end up winning the World Series. We lost to the Royals. But after that, I really tried to take stock of the situation and recognize that the upward mobility that I had enjoyed at the Mets, you know, was going to be more difficult to continue that trajectory. And I also wanted to do more with my professional career than work in sports. You know, I wanted to be in an innovative atmosphere and baseball. I think it, you know, if you go through all of the right channels to move the mound forward or back by an inch, it's considered innovation. And I just wanted a little bit. More. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny, man. Yeah, I love that. Okay, so you 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 worked for the Mets, and I know you were. Uh, you're not going to brag yourself, I would imagine, but I was looking at your your uh, LinkedIn profile, Presidents Club, all three years that you were there, and then so what what happened after that? Yeah, so after that, I decided to take a little bit of a different route. So I went from you know big Major League Baseball into very small company. So I took a third ownership of a very small company called. Presidio Strategic Communications with two of my colleagues in my uh, Masters of Business program. And it was a real fixer-upper. You know, we had about uh, $150,000 of debt. We had an MRR of roughly $1,500, which was the extent of, of, our, of our cash at, at the time. And really just built out the sales model and revenue model for the organization moving forward. And um, we were able to, to clear the debts uh, after a couple of years. And actually, uh, within the past 18 months, we, we hit our 1 million ARR mark, which uh, was very exciting for us. And from there, just started to take on specifically clients in the SaaS space. So going from Series A to Series B in SaaS and building out their sales development organizations. Wow. I mean, incredible just turnaround story. Good for you, man. Well, uh, kudos to you and the team for making that happen. I know it's no easy feat. And so once you had that success, what was next? And kind of walk me through where you're at today and what you're focused on. Yeah, absolutely. So after going, uh, taking on the clients in the SaaS space, going from Series A to Series B, I wanted to scale up a little bit. And so I, I decided to join WalkMe, um, a digital adoption platform. We had just completed a, a Series G uh, round of, of funding. And there was so much opportunity at, at WalkMe that I saw. So I decided to jump in as, as a uh, business development manager for our BDRs, which is our, our outbound only team in San Francisco and have been there for uh, what, what feels like about eight months, but has actually only been about two. <laughs> I completely relate. I having worked at Tesla and Solar City, every month felt like a year. And so you could just do the math on how long it felt like I was working there. 
so let's dive in. I mean, this show is all about insights. And when I say an insight, what I mean is not just some random little thought, but something that's life-changing. What are those moments in our lives that act as pivot points that completely change the trajectory of our lives? And so I'd love to kind of dive in and hear your insights. You had one interesting one, which was when you were a kid, you, you realized you were short. You weren't going to be a baseball player. You weren't <laughs> going to play an athlete. I didn't have that. I was also short, but I still like, oh man, all the way up into, col- in, into college, I still had the, the hope and the desire. So good for you for at least realizing that maybe that wasn't going to be the, the first thing. I mean, there's only so many Jose Altuve's out there, right. but let me ask you this. What are those insights in your life that stand out that have been absolutely significant in your life? sort of changing moment? Yeah, a really good question. So there was a moment at the Mets that, that I will never forget, but probably won't sound as significant as it was for me. So when I started at the Mets as an inside sales representative, one of our sales leaders came around to our little uh, clump of, of cubicles. And he looked at all of, all of the new ISRs and said, oh, this person who's been you know promoted three times sat there. And this person who's been promoted sat there. And this person, you know, just went through the list and no one had ever been promoted that sat at my desk. And I remember thinking, boy, you know, all these other people have this connection and I don't really have this connection. So I guess I just have to, you know, be my own, be my own person and, and start my own path. And along those lines, we had been paired with a buddy in our account executive world. And I was trying really hard to be who my buddy was and sell like my buddy did. And it was never working for me. And I kept trying to mimic what he was doing and and use the tone of voice that he was using and ask the questions he was asking. And it just never felt natural to me. And I just one day just decided that I was just going to be my own person and just use my own voice and really find that voice. And that's what ended up clicking for me was I realized that if I wanted to really be my own person and, and forge my own path, then I needed to sell like that. And so that's when I started really working smarter, working harder, and being more internally motivated. Mm, such a powerful insight. And I think you, you touched on something that's so important, which is often we look at success in other people and we think, man, I want to be just like that person. Well, the fact is you aren't that person. So therefore you can't be just like that person. Now you could do some of the things that they might do, or you could take some you know, tactics and strategies that may have worked for them. And you could see if you could apply it in your own way, but ultimately it's not going to be a carbon copy. One of the things that I read that you wrote, which really resonated with me was an article you wrote where you said your why is empathy. And I wonder if you could talk a little bit about why empathy is so important. Why Empathy is your why was, I believe, I believe the title of the article. And for those that haven't had a chance to read it, go check out your uh, Josh's LinkedIn page and, and read the article because it's super touching. And it really connected with me, somebody that I also identify with the importance and the value of empathy. Would love to hear it in your own words, though. What does empathy mean to you and why is it so important? Yeah, you know, for me, um, I think that that this is actually one of the bigger mistakes I've made in my career was not evaluating the employer as much as they were evaluating me in the interview room. And mm. um, some of the organizations that that I was a part of, I was asked to do things that was really uncomfortable for me. And in the article, I, I kind of flesh out what those things were. But for me, I realized that it was 
not everybody is going to hold the the same ethics that you are. Not everyone is is going to have the same morals that you are. And it was really challenging for me to accept that fact. And I really kind of grappled with it of what seemed like at the time a decision between the right business decision and the right moral decision. And mm. I really struggled with why those were conflicting decisions. Why couldn't I do what was right ethically and morally while making the right business decision? And it it really kind of like tore me apart inside for a while. And the reason empathy is so important is because I recognize that I don't need to make this decision. I can find organizations that want to do what's right by their customers, do what's right by their prospects, do what's right by their employees while making good business decisions. And that's why empathy is so important to me was because it took me a while to realize that I didn't need to choose between what's right from a business decision and what's right between your, your morals and ethics. Right. They're not mutually exclusive. And to your point, right, you you weren't willing to compromise on what your moral compass and value set stood for. And therefore, you weren't going to compromise the ideals that you believe in. And so I love that. And it says a lot about you. Curious, you talk about the value of a people first approach when you think about how to best motivate a team, keep them energized, keep them at their best so that they have a high level of operational success. Share a little bit about how you do this and why that has been such a a through line and how you've worked with teams and connected with the people at any company that you've been a part of. Yeah. You know, I think that at the end of the day, what everybody, what everybody understands is that people are working with people, right? You know, I think especially given the, the current environment, right? You know, you're you're on Zooms with people that are more than likely in their own house, right? Their their dogs are running through the the camera, <laughs> um, their kids are are you know shouting in the background. Like everyone is is their own person, and people are human, right? You know, we make mistakes. We we want what we want. You know, we want to grow professionally. We want to make more money. We want to to be happy. And and I think that that's been really helpful for me in understanding what each person needs to be managed differently, right? You know, if you're a a leader, no matter if you're a sales leader or outside of sales, you need to take a people first approach because if you are trying to manage everybody with a one size fits all approach, you're not going to get what's best out of each individual person on the team. And if you want the team to operate at its best, then you need its people to operate at their best. And in order to do that, you need to work with them to get the best out of each individual person, as opposed to asking them to work to your style. You as the leader need to work to their style. That's what's worked best Mm. for me to this point. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. And it's so interesting how these two concepts tie in, right? Empathy and understanding how others are feeling, understanding what's going through their mind and emotionally tapping into kind of them as opposed to just looking at it from your lens and your perspective. Everyone does need to be managed different because everyone is different and we can't just use a one size fits all approach when we think of leadership. Speaking of leadership, there's so many sales leaders, entrepreneurs, business leaders that I know have made an impact on you. They made an impact on many have made an impact on me as well. I'm curious what entrepreneurs or business leaders stand out in your mind that kind of, you look at them and you're like, wow, that's, 
that's a person that I deeply respect and admire, and they've just done some incredible things. Who are those people? Yeah, you know, really good question. I think from a business leader perspective, I'll give you some recognizable names, and, and then I'll, I'll talk about some more personal experiences. But Barbara Corcoran is one that that immediately mm. jumps to the top. And, and the reason is because on Shark Tank, you see her specifically trying to understand each individual person at their core, not just the business that they have, not the, just the metrics that they've brought to the table, but you see her saying things like, I don't trust you and I don't want to work with people I don't trust, or I want to work with you because you're a hard worker and I value hard workers. And, and to me, that's what I love is she's not just judging people for their idea or, or valuing people at the idea of their current business. We've literally seen her invest in people and say, you know what? I don't want this idea. I want 50% of your next idea. And mm, to me, yeah. that's such a powerful thing that she's done that that's really what I love to emulate in, in my day-to-day -day life. From a personal standpoint, Brian Towers and Michelle Price, two of, of my early managers and, and sales leaders are people that I really look up to because they were so impactful on coaching and helping and not just telling us what to do. You know, if we brought a problem to the table, they wouldn't say, say this or do this. They would say, well, what do you think? What do you want to do? What mm. feels right to mm. you? And that has been such an impact on, on my sales leadership career is that's what I try to do. You know, I'm never going to tell someone on my team what to do. I will give them recommendations and I will ask them what they think. And then together, the two of us will iterate on a solution as opposed to me just saying, do this. Yeah. I, you know, it's so funny you bring that up because that's something that I've actually really embraced my, in my own leadership career, because I do uh, agree that not all roads lead back to you. You don't need to solve everyone's problem and come up with all the solutions. In fact, there's a, probably a lot of smart people around you that are just as capable, if not more capable to find really compelling and solid solutions to anything, especially if it's related personally to them. I remember a module that I, that we used in a leadership training at Solar City, where we literally showed a video talking about this concept. And it was funny because this concept, it resonates with people so deeply because people want to have a voice. They want to be able to contribute and have some say in how we make changes or how we operate. And so I think this is a really, really interesting point to bring up. You've gotten active in LinkedIn over the last few months, like I have. And I think one of the things that stood out is that you're really putting out some solid content that's genuine, heartfelt, but also provides a lot of value. And I know there's some leaders out there. Dale Dupree comes to mind. I know you recently did a happy hour with him. I saw you mention him in a post. I'm curious what sales leaders stand out in your mind that have really played a role in influencing you? And they don't have to be on LinkedIn, but maybe they are. Um, or other leaders. You talked about some of the people that you just mentioned. Who else stand out in your mind that you either want to give a shout out to, or maybe they had an insight that you think would be valuable to share with the audience? Yeah. You know, a, a bunch of people come to mind um, and I'm, I'm more than likely going to leave too many people out because there's so many people that, that I, I would like to mention here. Um, Kyle Coleman is one person that immediately jumps out. Uh, Amy Volas and, and Samantha McKenna are, are three that, that really jump out um, right off the top. Uh, uh, honestly, I could name so many more. Tom Bocard, Justin Welsh, 
Kevin Dorsey, like all of these guys have, have really just really incredible content. Um, but the reason that I mentioned the, the folks that I did is I think that each of them are a true expert at their specific field. Um, when I, well, like when I think of Tom Bocard, I think of someone that is a true master of the sales process. You know, if, if I was a rep and I was thinking, boy, I want someone that's going to teach me the ins and outs of the sales process. I'm going to go to Tom Bocard because that guy sells better than anyone that I've met. Kyle Coleman mm. is, is kind of, I, I love to, to listen and, and watch what he's doing because I think that he's another true empathetic leader. Kevin Dorsey would fit that mold as well. They're, they're really a people first leader, um, which is, is something that I consider myself. And Amy Volas and Sam McKenna are just two consummate professionals. They are, are just true sales professionals. Amy Volas is an absolute expert in sales recruiting. Um, you know, what SaaS organizations in, in particular are looking for in sales leaders and future sales leaders. And she really understands the interview process better than anybody that I've met, especially from a sales angle. And Sam McKenna has created uh, her own company and has done things in the company to recruit people that may not have as much of an opportunity as other people. Like she's, she will, will hire military spouses before anybody else. And I think that like that's just something that really needs to be mentioned because she's doing it the right way and she's trying to put people first that maybe haven't put been put first in years past. All of those folks just just deserve a mention there. Yeah, no, I love all of those. Just everything you said about each one of those people stand out and clearly shows why they've meant something to you and why you've connected with the work they've done or the influence they've had on you and your career. Speaking of your career, you are somebody that really prides yourself on not just meeting or, or hitting quota, but actually exceeding quota. As I mentioned earlier, President's Club at, at the Mets, all three years you were there, you have a track record for doing really well. What do you attribute your success to? Let's give some some real tactical tips or tricks or things that you've done. You know, We talked about the empathy piece, so you could double down there, but go beyond that as well. We'd love to kind of just peel back the onion and think back, like what are those things that have been so, so important to your own sales success? Yeah. You know, it's a great question. And I think we've already covered the empathy piece, but I think controlling what you can control is where I'll go here. And what I mean by that is, is working hard. So what I did when I started at the Mets was I, I took a little sticky note and I put it in the bottom right corner of my computer with three goals on it. Um, one was the daily goals that I wanted to hit. So we had an 80 call minimum per day when I started as an inside sales rep. So I figured, okay, if, if everyone's making 80 calls at a, at a minimum, then the good sales reps are probably making 100 calls a day. Therefore, if I want to be the best, I need to make 120 calls at a bare minimum. That was kind of my, my logic and what ended up happening. And this was not what I thought of at the time on my first day at the Mets, but what ended up happening was by making 120 calls when everybody else was making 100, I was doing six days of work every single week while everyone else was doing five. And what I recognized over time was that nothing supplements hard work. And that really snowballed its way into more success because I was making more calls than anybody else every single day. Therefore, I was having more bats with prospects. I was able to, to you know, have more sales processes in play at one time. 
the area that I never thought about that was probably the most, the biggest reason for my success was because I was making more calls, I was getting better faster than everybody else. I was able to identify trends, iterate on my message and understand what prospects were looking for better and faster than a a lot of my peers. And because of that, I was able to get better. I was able to sell more and I became a master of the sales process because of that. Now, that wasn't what I thought about when I first made those goals and made the little sticky note and stuck it at the bottom right corner of my desk, but that's what ended up occurring because of it. And just because I decided I wanted to work harder than everybody else, I got all of this other stuff that came with it. I was able to sell more because I had more prospects in play. My pipeline was bigger because I I called on more prospects and I was able to get better at the sales process faster than all of my peers because I just worked harder. Yeah. You wanted to accelerate your chances of being the best and in doing so, you knew, you knew you needed to have more at-bats. You needed more opportunity. But the side benefit of that is not only are you getting those additional at-bats and those new opportunities, but now you're actually growing and learning and becoming actually better. So you get sort of all these things happening at once and then it, it, it does make for a good recipe. What else stands out in your mind? And so we talk about these insights. Do you have any insights, either sales insights or just life insights that occurred to you, either your time at Presidio or time at the Mets or your time now with WalkMe or any any of your other um, jobs that that stand out? You're like, hey, that was a point where I had this aha moment and something clicked. Yeah, you know, I think it was in my time at Presidio. So I had had taken on a, a couple of clients in early stage SaaS and. I think I I made the reference earlier, but I was also going through my MBA program. I was a fully employed MBA student, University of California, Irvine. And there was a disconnect between the people that I was engaging with at UCI in my MBA program and the people I was engaging with in my day-to-day work. And what I mean by that is the values that people held in my MBA program were so strong. And I really wanted to spend more time with them. I wanted to be around. I wanted to work with people like that. But in my day-to-day work life, I wasn't, I wasn't finding that. And what I recognized was it's because when I was interviewing for jobs, I wasn't evaluating the employer. I didn't have a scorecard. Mm-hmm. I wasn't doing any evaluation. I was just taking the first job that was handed to me. And you know, I've had some past success. I like to think of myself as, as somewhat gregarious and, and charismatic. So interviewing has has always come a little bit more naturally to me. That's not to say that I'm good at it. It's just to say that I find it a little bit more natural than, than I think others do in the interview room. And so the, the first person that would say, hey, Josh, you know, here's, here's a job offer. I was saying, great, I accept because I thought of myself as almost like superhuman. Like I can make anybody successful. And that was a big lesson that I learned was that I cannot make anybody successful. And I need to do my homework. I need to evaluate the organizations that I'm going to work for just like they're evaluating me. And my aha moment was it's on me to understand where I can be the best fit. I'm not a hero. Like I was trying to play hero ball and and make anybody successful when I really needed to be asking where was I the best fit. And that was a, a very important aha moment for me to recognize that I am just like everybody else. I cannot have some Herculean effort to make company A 
successful. You know, I am good at, at very specific things and I can help in a very specific environment. And I need to do my due diligence to understand where that environment is. Yeah. And I love what you said at the very beginning there too, which is you need to be thinking about it from a perspective of not just trying to impress them and, and be what they want, but what are you looking for in them? You know, I've heard and not only that, but like it's looking for the right company, but looking for the right boss, the right manager, the right leader. And so asking those types of questions and understanding this is someone and you're going to be interacting with a lot. And we know that most people leave bosses, not companies. So you're almost interviewing your boss if at all possible. There's a lot of people that listen to this show who may be wondering what advice you would have for them that could help them in their own sales career and help them reach the kind of success that you've reached. What advice would you have for somebody that is trying to accelerate their career in sales and trying to get some momentum to be as successful as possible? Yeah, great question. And I think you actually answered your your own question because that that was that that's my answer as well, but I think that when you are interviewing, you are picking your boss as much as you are picking a job. I got very lucky that that Brian Towers and Michelle Price were the two people that I interviewed with first. I connected with them. I liked them. I didn't really understand at the time just what that meant, but their careers moved upwards. And because their careers moved upwards at the Mets, my career moved upwards. They were promoted. I was promoted. And and I was really attaching myself at the Mets to them. And I, I think so much of it is when you are selecting your boss, understanding that your boss, just like you, is working to to move their career upwards and understanding whether or not your boss is the right person at the right company to move his or her career in the right direction will help you. And picking your people, picking who you are going to attach yourself to is so important. There's a saying that you are an average of the 10 people you hang out with most or or you spend the most Mm. time with. And for me, I've, I've really tried to understand that and pick those 10 people especially very recently that I want to associate myself with the most. And that's really where, where I've tried to impart my knowledge on other people is you need to be picking who you want to spend the most time with. Yeah. It's an important decision to make because the time is limited. And as we go through life, our time becomes more and more fleeting and (laughs) it seems to disappear, especially with families and other, other things that do ask for our attention. And so we do need to be very selective. And I, of course, completely agree that you are who you surround yourself with. And, you know, you are who you are all the collection of people that you interact with on a daily basis. And so, you know, one mistake would be to align yourself with people that don't fit your value set or aren't bringing you up and raising you up in in many ways. And so I want to talk about the concept of mistakes or potential pitfalls that people might have either in their career or their sales journey. What have either you yourself made that you could highlight or what have you witnessed or seen in terms of somebody making a mistake that caused them to kind of go from maybe a upward trajectory to either sideways or even going down? I think that that a, a few mistakes I made, as as I said earlier, was not properly evaluating and vetting the organizations and the leaders that I was going to work for after the Mets. And I think that aside from that, I think that I probably did some some title chasing in an effort to kind of fake it till I, till I made it. Mm. And 
you know, I was always looking for that next title increase, that next title increase so that I could, you know, show off and, and be someone that would maybe impress other people. But I think what I forgot to realize is no one cares. No one's, no one's looking at you, mm-hmm. right? Everyone's just focused on, on themselves. And, and I think I was trying to impress people that weren't out there. And so I, I realized that I needed to just do the right work the right way, which is what I did when I started my career. And I think that I went personally a little sideways trying to do too much. You know, I was trying to, to as I said earlier, trying to, to make these Herculean efforts to, to, to make a company successful when I needed to ask myself if I really wanted to be there in the first place. Mm. And that was a, a really tough but important lesson that I learned. And I think you know, what, what I would encourage others to do is ensure that you're vetting the, the organizations and leaders from the get-go as opposed to, to learning this lesson the hard way like I did. Yeah. What a valuable lesson. And thanks for sharing and being super candid about your own experiences. And let's talk a little bit about the future and what's going to happen next. And then we'll get into the lightning round. So first, I want to make sure we didn't leave anything on the table. If there's any insights or anything that you think would be valuable for the audience to hear. And again, audience being, these are people that have a lot of desire to do amazing things while they're on this planet. Some of them are business owners themselves. Some of them are entrepreneurs, but some of them are probably starting out in their career and want to find and learn from people that have had success. So anything that stands out in that realm. And then along with that, what's next for you? What are you, what are you working on? What's the two, three, four, five year plan for you? And we'd love to kind of get a vision of the future. Yeah. So I, uh, I think I'll double down here on hard work. Uh, nothing, as I said earlier, I don't believe anything supplements hard work. And there's a, there's a saying work beats talent when talent doesn't work. I like to just modify that slightly to say that nothing can beat a hardworking, talented individual. Mm. And so that's really where I would be spending the the majority of my time. You know, don't be afraid of the hard work, embrace it. And and I think that for me, um, the reason that, that I, that I chose walk me is because I think that walk me has an incredibly successful future ahead of them. You know, we're, we're a digital transformation company and, and given the current environment, uh, you know, I think that organizations, you know, whether they're, small or, or large, you know, all the way from, you know, the presidios of the world, all the way up to the sales forces of the world um, are going to have to digitally transform. And, and there's a bunch of really great articles on Harvard Business Review that I would recommend that anybody you know, should be reading this, that the digital gap is widening between companies. And, and that's, that's a problem that WalkMe solves. And so I think that that's really where I see myself for the foreseeable future. And I really see growing a, a team of, of talented sales professionals. But the reason specifically that I chose WalkMe is I, I want to build a world-class sales organization. Like I want people coming out of college to know that if they are able to get a job in WalkMe sales organization, they are going to get the best sales training of they will anywhere at any other organization. That's really what I want to build at, at WalkMe. And that's what, what drew me to WalkMe is because that's what our sales enablement folks, that's what my managers, that's what our sales leaders, that's what our, our business development representatives, that's what they also want to build. And that's where I want to be for my foreseeable future. And, and what I'm doing in my spare time is, is working on SDR Defenders. SDR Defenders is a community think tank that, that really is supposed to promote entry-level sales representatives at, you know, in, in any organization and 
at whatever stage in their career. And I think that the SDR role has been something that some sales managers, I did use a, a different word there, sales manager versus sales leader. I think some sales managers always try to encourage sales reps to like stay in their lane. And that's just not something that that we're encouraging at, at SDR Defenders. So that's something that, that I'm working on actually with Kyle Coleman and Tom Bocard and Nikki Ivey and Nisha Parikh in, in our spare t- in, in, in our spare time outside of our full-time jobs. What what inspired you to get involved in that? And for those that don't understand fully what, what it is exactly, you're talking about entry level, so sales development representative. Talk a little bit about like the type of person that you're really thinking about and what inspired the work. Yeah, totally. So where the idea came from, and I'll just be totally honest, was uh, LinkedIn. We we were interacting on LinkedIn and I saw a couple of comments saying that SDR should stay in their lane and just make phone calls and just write emails and do nothing else but contact prospects. And I felt like, boy, that must be really challenging for them to grow personally in an organization that doesn't promote their personal growth. And so that's really where the idea stemmed from was, you know, SDRs, sales development representatives, they have so much more to offer than to just make phone calls and and write emails. And and so I recognize that so many sales reps get caught in the same challenges that I had, right? They they accept the first role that, that they get offered just because they're early in their careers and they don't necessarily know any better. They haven't learned the lessons and then they haven't had the right mentors. And so what we want to do at SDR Defenders is give them the right mentors. We want to, to offer them these lessons and these, these learnings that we've had so that they don't need to go through the same um, you know, kind of sales manager that, that pounds the, the fist on the desk and says, you know, more calls, more emails. We want to be a part of a community that, that helps and looks after sales sales reps as opposed to just telling them what to do which i think is a lot of the content that's on linkedin that you see right now is just sales leaders talking at sales reps at sdr defenders we want to flip that we want the sales reps to tell us what works for them so that we can then help to be a better leader for future sales reps well i tell you what your empathy is shining through in complete glory because you're really putting yourself in the mind and in the head of somebody that's in that role. Right. And I think, you know, obviously you've, you've been in those shoes, you've had that role, you understand what it means and nobody likes to be given orders without any regard for their own ability to think, right. Nobody just wants to be a robot. And I think you're, you're touching on something that's really important and they're human beings. They're not mechanical robots that are just following direct orders. That doesn't mean that they aren't going to do their job if they somehow have more opportunity to think on their feet. It just means that they're given a little bit more, I I would say, runway to flourish and to be amazing at their job. And it's kind of, it's very, it's quite the opposite. So I think, you know, if you, if you bark orders and if you treat them like robots, they'll act like robots, you'll get performance like robots. And uh, generally speaking, that's not going to be the kind of performance you want out of somebody in sales. So love that, man. All right, we're going to get into the lightning round. The lightning round is a series of quick hitting questions. Basically, I'm going to ask a question. Just give me your gut reaction, your gut response. First thing that comes to your mind. And the first question is, what excites you? Oh, God, I'm a sales nerd. So I get super excited at data metrics and business models. Like I love talking about that in my spare time. Yeah. 
Love that, man. All right. Well, good to know that you're a data geek and get kind of knee deep in the numbers. That's always a good thing. All right. What scares you? Oh, gosh. Underperforming. (laughs) (laughs) For sure, man. Okay. What surprises you? When someone is able to come to me with a problem and a solution that they solved themselves. Yeah. That I didn't have anything to do with. It's always the best way to approach somebody with a problem is to have a solution in mind. It may not be fully baked, but if at least you have some of the baseline ideas formed around a way to solve that problem, I think it's a lot better than just going in empty handed. Okay. So books, Uh, leaders or readers, curious if you have any books that you've recommended that stand out, maybe something you've recommended more than any other book. Yeah. So my favorite book is On Managing People, Harvard Business Review. I've probably read that 10 times and every single time I take a new nugget out. Absolutely love that. I also, I'll give you one more. No one ever told us that. It's basically a book about all of life's lessons that never gets communicated, but are always something you need to know from like finances, like day-to-day interaction. Really good book. Highly recommend. Cool. I haven't heard of that one, but I'll check it out. Okay, cool. So Who has been the most inspirational person in your life and why? My father. And because I learned hard work from him, you know, during the great recession, he was, was laid off from his job. He ended up building his own business during the the great recession. And, uh, you know, he sold that business six, seven years ago. He's been my greatest inspiration. Awesome, man. Well, I love when you can learn from people close to you. Uh, I completely relate. There's been a lot of people, including my father, that have had a a truly impactful role in my own uh, life story. So let's talk about funny one here. If you could spend one hour with anyone living or dead, who would it be and why? Oh, man. You know, that's such a good question. I'd like to spend the the time with, I, I would say, Abraham Lincoln. I would love to get his understanding on, on how he dealt with the, the Civil War and, and all of the, the internal strife that happened within, within the country. Yeah, I tell you what, man, it would be an interesting conversation for sure. I mean, the guy is incredible, and I think we could pretty much all agree that what he did was amazing and truly put his mark on the world and certainly on, on this country. So, okay, if you had a chance, what would you tell your 20-year-old self, right? You, the, you're, you're going to Oregon probably. You're in the midst of your, I know you were a vice president of your fraternity. What would you whisper in your 20-year-old self's ear to prepare you for kind of the upcoming years in your, in your life and career? Expect the unexpected. <laughs> I love that. Okay, good. Okay. Regrets. Do you have any? And if so, what are they and why? Yes, I have many, many regrets. I think that in the organizations I spoke about earlier where, you know, I felt like there there was a decision that I had to make between ethics and and what was being asked of me. I always chose my ethics and my morals, but I regret not speaking up as to why I didn't do a, why I felt what I was being asked was not morally upstanding or ethical. I wish that that I I spoke up more against that. Yeah. Well, I love that, man. And you know what? Don't uh, certainly don't beat yourself up. But the fact that you learned that lesson, I think will be something that pays off in the long term, because now you're going to remember that it's going to stick with you. And whenever you're put in a situation where you have to choose between your value set and doing what's right with, with, maybe something that's not there or not, not at that level, you will be able to speak your mind because you'll have the memory of that experience. 
achievements are something that we look back and think about in life. And we think about the things that stand out as I did this, or this was a, a moment in life. Curious what achievement you're most proud of. Oh, I think Presidio getting an office space is probably one that I really look at. We were a scrappy startup that had a, a you know three seat WeWork office when I jumped in. And for the next two and a half years, we worked you know, out of out of a living room and everybody working from home just to keep the company afloat and having the discussion and coming to to the the mutual agreement with my partners that it was time to get an office was a really incredible accomplishment. Um, and getting the nationally championship ring from the New York Mets was another huge accomplishment. I remember like getting that in the mail and and putting it on my finger and thinking like, holy crap, we all did this like that was an organization wide effort that's so cool and that was there were so many memories along with that year that that i could go into but that was that's that awesome, was a pretty special one that's a that's a rare treat not many people can say that so uh, and that maybe ties into the next question we've learned a lot about you and super grateful for all the insights and knowledge that you've shared what might surprise the audience that we haven't yet learned about josh roth oh wow um, I always try to be as, as authentic and, and, and upfront as I can. What would surprise everybody in the audience? I think that, that probably like everybody else, I love to watch Netflix and, and like, I'll just binge shows on Netflix for hours on end. And for me, uh, you know, a, a Saturday that's well spent, you know, I'll go out and hike <laughs> for five hours, but I'll also binge a show yeah. for like five to seven hours. And to me, like that, that's just like what I love to do in my spare time. Nothing wrong with that, man. We all need a little downtime, a little time to enjoy and consume. You know, we do live in a society where it's easy to consume, but doesn't mean that it's a bad thing to do on some downtime. So last question, Josh, and again, really appreciate your time. This is more of a open-ended, just whatever you feel, kind of what else, anything you want to share that, that kind of to leave us with a, a last comment or thought? Last thing I would say is that your leaders, your managers are not always right. Do not hesitate to speak your mind and share what you're feeling. Your leaders, your managers, they are there to help, but they are also there to help you build. You are building right alongside them. Don't just take what they say at face value. Help, learn, build alongside them. Love that, man. What a great way to end. Thank you so much for your time. And thank you for being on the show. It was a pleasure to get to know you, to learn about you. And what stands out most is you're somebody that doesn't allow an outside force or outside energy to put you in a, a position where you're going to make a decision that you won't be able to stand behind. And that just shows the type of person you are, that you have a high moral compass and that you aren't going to compromise that for anyone or anything. So Josh Roth, thank you for being on Inside Out. Thank you very much for having me. This was absolutely awesome. Thank you for listening to this episode of Insight Out. I hope you enjoyed the show and I really hope you took away some valuable insights that will help you in your career, in your business, or in your life. If you haven't already, please subscribe and rate the show on your favorite podcast platform. This is extremely helpful and I can't tell you how much I would appreciate it. 
Also, if you haven't checked out our website yet, you can find us on the interweb at insightoutshow.com. On the site, you'll find tons of great content, including all of our podcast episodes, videos, blog posts, and the all-important link to support this show through Patreon. If you're not familiar with Patreon, it's an amazing platform that helps creators gain the support they need to continue creating. And remember, your next life-changing breakthrough moment may happen when you least expect it. Insight out.